0: Have a seat, everyone. Welcome again. Again, my name is Pastor John. I'm the campus pastor here at um, the Alpine Layton campus. And um, well, let me give you guys a little, a little health update. I know some of you guys may be wondering, and I've, I've had a lot of comments, boy, you look, you look really good, and almost maybe even some eyebrows raised, like, did this accident really happen? Or were you just trying to get on the meal train, you know? Well, it, it, did actually, it did actually happen. I think it was like I, Valerie and I were trying to figure out the time frame. I think it was six to eight, seven weeks ago, a few weeks before Good Friday, so we're, or maybe ten days before that. I, I don't know. Either way, um, I played golf yesterday, or, or <laughs> Saturday, or no, no, that yesterday was Saturday. I played golf Friday, right? So I played golf, God is a healer, and now all my sympathy is over with, Right. <laughs> right. Well, hey, welcome back to our The Jesus Way series. Um, we took a little break for Mother's Day, but now we're back and we're in week three of this series. Um, and this series is all about the six antithesis that Jesus gave in his Sermon on the Mount. Um, actually, uh, today we will be in message four. Um, we're going to circle back around to, to message three Next week, we just like to keep you guys on your toes. Don't worry about that. Oh, here they come on a Sunday even. Okay, okay. All right, so, um, but before we get into this week's message, I want to spend uh, just a little bit of time with a brief overview, week one and week two. So um, week, week one was, was do not murder. All right, is everybody good with that one? Do not murder. But what, what did we learn? We learned that that if we're even angry unjustly, we, we, we learn that that is, to Jesus' standard, the equivalent of committing murder in our hearts. All right, that was, that was week one, that the, the righteousness of man does not produce, oh, pardon me, the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God, and our anger is the equivalent of murder in, in his eyes. And then week two was, do not commit adultery, but what do we learn there? We learn that lust by, by Jesus' standard, lust is the equivalent. And so if we've looked at lust upon someone else, it's the equivalent of, of adultery in our heart. And so we're called to be people of self-control, to control our temper, and be people that live lives of, of radical purity. Um, this word antithesis, okay? I, I got to be honest, I, I had to ask Siri what it meant just to be sure. It's kind of a, you know, I, I, I was not, yeah, I, I, I'm not that bright, okay? But no, I, I kind of knew, but I just wanted to be sure. And it is the, the opposite of, so this word antithesis actually um, is maybe a little misleading because um, this is not Jesus saying, and you, you hear this actually in, in, in these passages. Jesus will say, you have heard that it was said, but I say. You have heard that it was said. What I say, and some people have misunderstood this as Jesus saying, look, I'm, I'm going to um, say that the, the law, the Old Testament law is, is wrong, and, and here's what I have to say. But really, that's not what Jesus is doing all, at all. He is not um, contradicting or diminishing the law in any way, shape, or form. Uh, he's actually elevating the law. His, these, these antitheses are, are not uh, critiques of the law, but critiques of the you've heard that it was said. The you've heard that was said was the, the Jewish uh, oral tradition. Um, it was, it was the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees' interpretation of the law. And so this is Jesus basically saying, look, you, you've heard it was said this way, but, but I say, and I'm going to elevate this to a higher standard. This would be like if, if, uh, if you had your study Bible the Sermon on the Mount, um, essentially you could put it in the, in the commentary of, of uh, the book of Exodus, let's say, the law. Now this week we are going to be concentrating on uh, what Jesus had to say about keeping your word, about oaths and vows. And so let's, let's get right to the scripture. Matthew chapter 5 Verse 33 through 37. You have also heard that our ancestors, so there's that, you have heard that it was said. You have also heard that our ancestors were told, you must not break your vows. You must carry out the vows you make to the Lord. But I say, do not make any vows. Do not say by heaven, because heaven is God's throne. Do not say by the earth, because the earth is his footstool. And do not say by Jerusalem, for Jerusalem is the city of the great king. Do not even say by my head, for you can't turn one hair white or black. Just say a simple yes, I will, or no, I won't. Anything beyond this is from the evil one. And you guys have have probably heard this if you've spent any time in the Bible at all or in, in church at all this idea of let your yes be your yes and let your no be your no. Jesus is saying anything beyond this is from the evil one. Okay, so we're gonna drill down on this verse a little bit, but before we do, I want to ask you guys a question. When was the last time someone broke a promise to you? Who who was it? And how did it, it make you feel? Now I've got a story to share about this a little bit on the on the lighter side. So I was pretty young, I'd say like uh, we had just moved to a new town, Yorkville, Illinois, um, and I was about seven, eight years old. Um, I was already into fishing. It was kind of out in the country, about 40 miles, uh, 45 miles west of Chicago. So it was just nothing but cornfields out there, great little fishing ponds, and and I was into fishing. My dad had taught me how to fish, and so uh, we had a neighbor, our next door neighbor who uh, invited me to one of those um, dinner clubs like the Elks Club. You guys have that out here? I don't know. But it was a dinner club thing, and they were raffling off this tackle box. And so I got a raffle ticket, and I was certain, as this seven, eight-year-old kid, I was going to win this tackle box, okay? Now, this wasn't any old tackle box. This was... N- now, you guys can kind of picture the tackle boxes that look like toolboxes, right? Well, this was back in, I guess would have been the 80s, yeah, or even late 70s. And... Plano Moulding, which is the town right next to Yorkville, Illinois, had just this like put them on the map. This was a new tackle box. It was like, I don't know if, if you fishermen will know what I'm talking about. It was like a, a goldish color. Um, it had all, it looked more like a briefcase than a toolbox. It had all these compartments in it, and it was this, it just looked like a brick of, of gold to a fisherman. It's awesome tackle box. So the raffle happens, and They call up the number one. Okay, I got one. One. Well, I got one. Six. Yeah. Two. Yeah. Seven. Ah. And guess who's got seven? The kid right next to me. He goes nuts. Now, I I couldn't contain my... uh, I'd like to say I was so happy for this young man. Okay? But I couldn't contain my sorrow (laughs) over this. And so uh, the, the neighbor who had brought me essentially said, hey, he, he, he picked up on it. He said, hey, look, son, I'm going to get you one of those tackle boxes. What? Really? Yeah. Don't worry about it. You, you got it. Okay. So day went by, two days, five days, seven days, a week, several weeks, no tackle box. Now, what's interesting about this is this really literally marked my timeline right? I was counting on this tackle box. I took him at his word, and um, I'm still waiting for the tackle box. I'm still waiting for it. I never got it, although I think my dad eventually got me one at some point, um, but um, that, that's, that's kind of a, a, a sillier story, I guess, but isn't it interesting how those kinds of things can mark your timeline, and um, uh, I'm imagining that some people here are thinking of maybe some things that are a little weightier than than my story. Um, how about um, a business partner who uh, failed to keep a promise? Well, then on the lighter side, there's there's a business transactions, right? Where has anybody bought a used car lately? Yeah, there's one, right? Or just you go through the drive-through at McDonald's and you ask for honey mustard, and they give you hot mustard. I'm like. You said you were going to give me the honey mustard, and you, you didn't. They didn't, <laughs> they didn't follow through in their word, right? What about um, someone who's in a, person, uh, a person of authority in your life? Maybe a, a boss, a teacher, um, maybe someone like me, maybe a religious leader, a, a person of leadership in, in the church. You know, the, hard, the hardest part of uh, preparing for these messages is preaching the message to yourself, Right? And I've been here long enough that I'm, I'm certain. I've played fast and loose my, with my words at times just to probably some or many of you in here. I've told you, yeah, let's make sure we meet up. Let's, uh, I'll do it. I'll call you this week. And, or, and I, have full, I have full intention of doing it, and, and I fail. In fact, just this morning, I, I woke up at uh, 4 a.m., right? <laughs> woke Valerie up out of her sound sleep. Woke up at 4 a.m., and I went, huh. You know, I had this message on my mind as I was going to sleep. And I thought about Mary Chedester. She was here several weeks ago. I don't know if you guys remember her, but she uh, was trying to raise money for this trip, this mission trip to Bosnia, okay? And she's leaving on the 22nd, so I think next Sunday. And I believe she's, she's made enough to get there. But I, I came out of bed, and I went, oh, my goodness. I told Mary that I would support her in the lobby. And I forgot all about it. So at 4.30 a.m., I went online and <laughs> found her page. And <laughs> Valerie's like, what are you doing? <laughs> I'm, giving, I'm giving Mary the money that, that we promised her. But you know how those, those things, some of those wounds are big in people's lives. You know, Maybe it was uh, even more personal. Maybe it's been a friend, uh, a, a family member, maybe a spouse, right? And here, here's the, the issue. When someone breaks a promise... The consequences can be devastating, even those small little things, the scars add up over time, right and so now that i 've got you thinking about that let's let 's go back into this passage and, and see what 's going on here. Well, for starters, the Pharisees made games out of vows, creating a loophole that undermined god 's original intent, and you may be thinking. Okay, Pastor, I agree that doesn't sound good, but why should we care about this? Uh, Why are oaths and vows even worthy of this sermon on the mount? Um, You know, Jesus uses a strong language here. I'll just back up. He says, "Let your uh, give a simple yes, I will, or no, I won't. Anything beyond this is from the evil one." What's he saying there? Anything beyond this is satanic. That'll make your ears perk up a little bit, won't you? Won't it? So, what's going on here? Well, um, it's easy to connect those first two weeks back to the Mosaic Law, to the Ten Commandments, right? Thou shalt not murder, thou shalt not commit adultery. But what about this oaths and vows thing? Well, uh, you might be surprised if we take a little time and think about it. We can actually connect this to eight Potentially eight out of the ten commandments. All right. Well, first, first, let's have a little test. See if you know the ten commandments, right? Let's let's do it. Ready? Number one: No other gods. Right? Number two: No idols. Number three: Not use the Lord's name in vain. Number four: uh, Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. You guys are doing great on that one. Okay. (laughs) Number five: (laughs) Honor your mother and father. Uh, Six: Do not murder. Seven: No adultery. Eight, uh, do not steal. Nine, uh, do not bear false witness. And number 10, do not cover thy neighbor's property. That's the, the paraphrase Cliff Notes version, but you guys got it, right? So let's go through these. Let's put this to the test. Well, if I make a vow, if I play loose with my words and I don't keep my vow, I don't keep my promise, and I use God's name to do it, well, I've used his name in vain. That's, that's commandment number three. How about if I'm just overall that type of person? Well, you'd say that that wouldn't be very um, honoring to my mother and father, right? So that's, that's number five. Well, if I, if I commit adultery, I've broken my marriage vows. That's number seven. If I break a promise to pay, that's theft. That's number eight. If I give false testimony under oath, that's number nine. And if that false testimony results in a death penalty, well, that's murder. That's number six. That's six right there. I've got a couple more, but we'll, we'll hold off on those for a second. Now now that we've established this is kind of a, a big deal, let's drill down a little bit on this, this passage we're looking at and look, look just at verse 34 and 36. Let's take a look here at what we're talking about about with this um, playing games and creating loopholes language. All right. Do not say by heaven, because heaven is God's throne. And do not say by the earth, because the earth is his footstool. And do not say by Jerusalem, for Jerusalem is the city of the great king. Do not even say by my head, for you can't turn one hair white or black. What's going on here? What's all this by heaven, by earth, by Jerusalem, by, by my head kind of talk? Well, first of all, let's just stop for a second and explain the significance of oaths and vows. So God actually established oaths and vows because as a sinful people, he knows that we are predominantly oath breakers. So God has given us a higher thing to swear by himself so that when there's something really online, something really important, we can can call to his authority and swear by it. So when we do this, we're essentially saying, okay, business deal, marriage, whatever it is, we're saying, listen, this, this is important. I swear, I swear to God that I will keep this promise. And what we're saying is, God, if I were to break this promise, or if either of us were to, to break our, our, our promise in terms of a business arra- arrangement, for example, then God, we call you to hold us accountable. We call you to actually bring judgment upon us if we were to break our word. But you see, what have what the Pharisees done here? Are they swearing to God? No, they're, they're swearing to lesser things, right? And this was, this was them basically saying, look, If you swear to these lesser things, your, word don't, your words just don't have as much value. It'd be like if I, if I you know, as a kid, I never did this. I, I really, I didn't. That's not a joke. But <laughs> I thought of this example. I mean, I probably would have done it. My, my younger brother, seven years younger than me, hey, hey, Teddy, you know what? Mow, mow the lawn for me, and I'll give you my allowance. And my brother, okay, it sounds like a great deal for the $7 or whatever it was. He goes out, mows the lawn, he comes back, can I have the allowance? And I go, uh, well, my fingers were crossed. Right, that's essentially what was going on here. And um, if you look at the well, and then uh, back to those other two commandments, right? So if I'm swearing to a lesser authority, well, uh, again another example: swearing by you know the hair, the hair of my chinny chin chin, or swearing by my mother's grave. Does my mother's grave have the power to hold me accountable to that promise? So now I'm I'm attributing. The power of the creator to the creature. And that's idolatry. And that's breaking commandment number one and number two. So there's your eight. And, and James goes on and just echoes James, Jesus' brother. If you read the book of James, has all sorts of, of things to say about living a life that honors God. But then he says this in chapter five. But most of all, most of all, above all these other things, my brothers and sisters, never take an oath by heaven or earth or anything else. Just say a simple yes or no so that you will not sin and be condemned. So what's going, what's going on here? What is God's original intent? Is Jesus saying that, look, oaths and vows, they're bad. So, hey, if you're planning on my daughters, I'm sorry, but you can't get married because you'd have to take... Uh, of your vows, and we just, we're not going to do that. Or how about uh, swearing um, in a court of law that you're going to tell the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth. How about those here that are aspiring to be president? I guess you're, that's out now, because you're not going to be, be able to be sworn into office. Is that really what Jesus is saying? Well, let's take a look. Pardon me. Let's take a look at this Bible commentary on Matthew 5 here. The difference between what was binding and what was not, wittingly or unwittingly, the Pharisees encouraged evasive oaths and therefore lying. Jesus cut through these complexities by insisting that people must tell the truth. He charges the teachers of the law and the Pharisees with mishandling the scriptures they claimed to defend. So Jesus is not forbidding oaths and vows. He's simply saying that as Christians, we ought to not play games with the truth. He's saying that everything we say is under the flagship of the ultimate oath keeper. You see, vows and oaths are not unbiblical. And we can, we can look at scripture. We can use scripture to interpret scripture on this because if they're unbiblical, we've got a problem because we've got some very biblical characters that made oaths and vows, starting with Paul here. And you guys, can, we don't have time to go into these scriptures, but you guys can check it out. Paul swears to God, to his truthfulness in 2 Corinthians and Galatians. Then you have Jesus himself, who before Caiaphas and, and the council Caiaphas says to him, I demand you in the name of the living God, tell us if you are the Messiah. And this is the only time Jesus actually opens his mouth. And he doesn't object to it. He doesn't say, you know, I, I can't answer that because I'm, I'm, you can't make me swear to God. He does. He answers. And then finally, we have God who swears by his own name in Genesis 22, in Psalm 110, and he's affirming his promise to Abraham, the, really the, the basis of our redemption. So Jesus is simply saying, look, as image bearers of God, we, we need to tell the truth. Certainly making rash oaths and vows is, is out of line. But as believers of children of God, just letting our yes be our yes and our no be our no will reflect his image. That, that language about anything other than that being connected to the evil one. Well, who's the father of lies? Satan. Again, everything we say is under the flagship of the ultimate oath keeper. So uh, let's look now what Numbers chapter 23 has to say about our promise keeping God God is not a man, so he does not lie. He is not human, so he does not change his mind. He has never spoken or failed to act. Has he ever promised and not carried it through? Stop for a second and think about that. Can you say this about anyone else in your life? We all have a propensity to play fast and loose with our words. And for, for some reason, I was thinking about this. It seems that we take the most liberty with the ones we're closest to, the ones that we love the most. Again, preaching this sermon to myself, thinking of the, the times that I've promised my girls or promised my wife I'm going to do this or do that at a certain time and not carried it through. Again, when someone breaks a promise, the consequences can be devastating. And speaking of consequences, there's one more thing. When our words can't be trusted, when we don't let our yes be our yes and our no be our no, it's hard to point people to a God who can be trusted. Let me illustrate this with a bit of a story. This story a bit heavier this time. Um, I've, I've spoken about my relationship with my dad before here. And so um, I, for those that have heard about this, I apologize, I don't mean to be redundant. But let me just say this. My dad was a, uh, a Paul Bunyan type character. He was north of six foot six, six foot, six, six foot seven. He was... Uh, 350 pounds, and he had the bones to carry it. He was a, a, a big man. I mean, when I was a little guy, and the kids in the playground would, would go on with that nonsense about my dad will, will lick or whoop your dad. I was a pretty serious little guy. I, I would stop him, and I'd say, Hol, hold on. No, no, listen, my dad will hurt your dad. You need to go warn your dad. My dad was my hero, without a doubt. Introduced me to to fishing, like I said. Introduced me to golf. And so you can imagine how devastating it was to me when the most important guy in my life at about age 16, 17 decided for me, my mother, and my three siblings that we weren't that important to him anymore. Walked out. Now, some years went by. My dad came to his, praise God, to his rock bottom after traveling the world with his, uh, the seven seas with, with his mistress, and, and I, I don't mean to laugh at that. It, it was very, very painful. But some years went by. I came from home from college, and, for Christmas break, and uh, guess who handed me a Bible wrapped in cellophane. It was actually a Bible from Willow Willow Creek Church, a big church out in Chicago. It was a seeker Bible. Now, how do you think I responded to my dad giving me that Bible? Let's just say it sat wrapped in cellophane for several years. Thankfully, God had his way with me eventually. So, you know, to to really close, I want you to to hear this. I hope you're not getting from this message today that, you know, I I just need to work harder. I just need to be better at at controlling my temper. I need to guard my eyes and, and watch my lustful tendencies. I need to make sure I tell the truth all the time And certainly, don't don't hear me wrong, certainly the Christian life, a life that that is indwelled by the Holy Spirit, the same power that rose Christ from the dead, should be on a trajectory to live a life that honors God, certainly. But Jesus is not saying to the Pharisees here, or I, I should say this, he's not saying to us, hey, don't, don't be like the Pharisees. But rather he's saying, you see the Pharisees? By the way, we give the Pharisees a bad rap a lot of times, but these guys were working hard to try to live up to what they thought were God's standards. So what Jesus is saying is, it's not about, hey, don't be like the Pharisees so much as it is about, look at the Pharisees, they're not going to make it. This is, uh, if any of you guys have watched Ray Comfort online, um, he, he's an evangelist, a street evangelist, so this is kind of a Ray Comfort line, but what we should get from here to, in this message partly is that, that we are adulterous, we are murderous, and we are oath-breaking liars at heart. We don't need God's grace to try to lower the bar. We don't need loopholes. We need a savior. Jesus is hiring the bar to point us to his grace because his grace is the only chance we have to make it off this planet alive. Let's look together at uh, Hebrews chapter 6. And learn more about our promise keeping God. God also bound himself with an oath so that those who received the promise could be perfectly sure that he would never change his mind. So God has given both his promise and his oath. These two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence. We can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for your souls. Do you have an anchor for your soul? Are you relying on your good works to merit God's favor or is your faith in Jesus Christ alone? bow our heads and pray together. Heavenly Father, Lord and our God, we thank you God that you are not a man that you should lie, Lord, that you are nothing like us. You are completely other, completely outside of us, Lord. You transcend all your creation, God. God, you are amazing. You are good. God, and we thank you, God, that although we deserve punishment, Lord, you have come. Jesus, you have come to live a perfect life on our behalf. Jesus, you went to the cross to pay the sin penalty we deserve to pay. And Jesus, you walked out of your grave three days later to give us life, Lord God. So I pray for everyone here today anyone here today, Lord, that has not received that, God. That they would run to you, Lord God. Run to you, their refuge, Lord God, their rescuer, their savior. We pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.